0: Welcome to the 56th episode of Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Enterprise sports writer Ron Croycheck. Ron has chipped in on our Warriors coverage all season. On Tuesday afternoon, we caught up about the sexual assault allegation against ex-Warriors assistant Luke Walton, the re of Andrew Bogut, why Golden State is motivated to get this first-round series done in five games, and much, much more. We'll have our conversation right after the break. Ron and I chatted at the Warriors facility Tuesday afternoon. To kick things off, I asked Ron about the recent sexual assault allegations against Luke Walton. Ron, we're here um, in the the bowels of Oakland Convention Center ahead of Warriors practice. Uh, We were a couple days removed from Game 4. We're getting ready for Game 5 now. Never a dull day on this beat. Never it feels like every single day there's news last night I'm walking around Alameda, thinking you know it's ten p m at night, thinking you know I can hang out a little bit, and the news about Luke Walton drops, and comes out that the allegations against Luke just just in case you aren't aware there there was a sexual assault allegation made against Luke Walton, now the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, by a female reporter, a former female reporter who had worked with Luke in L.A., and the the reason we're talking about this is because the allegation uh, reportedly happened when Luke was an assistant coach with the Warriors. The I looked at the lawsuit, and it does not actually say the date of the alleged allegation or the alleged incident, but we're led to believe that it was sometime in 2014 because her book that that she wrote and he and luke wrote the forward to came out in 2014 and she said that she was giving him a copy of the book because he had written the forward um so that would probably be luke's first year i believe we don't we don't know whether or not it could be his first year or second year he was only with the warriors two years um and it was during a, a, a los angeles road trip against the lakers so um that it's kind of it's kind of hazy a lot of the details but i'm not gonna sit here and ask uh whether or not the allegations are true um your personal opinion on luke that that's we don't know uh whether or not this happened all we know is what the situation being alleged is i think the important thing for the warriors right now is a lot of these guys on the team have close personal relationships with with luke we all are well aware that steve counts luke as one of his closest friends um, whenever you have a close friend dealing with a pretty intense situation like this, a very public situation like this, um, how much do you think your thoughts go there, even when you're dealing with you know something as pressing like a game five of a playoff series?
1: It's a fair question. Um, I think, as you said, it's it's really more uh, relevant to Steve Kerr, who's been close to Luke for many years. Um, I think Steve's intelligent enough and smart enough to separate basketball and real life and this is obviously a real life situation far removed from basketball and very serious uh, if it's true but as you as you noted we just we don't know that's a something there's no way of knowing um but I'm sure Steve's a little shook by it um as you'd expect um and I'll be curious to see what his reaction is today at practice but um you know it's a hard an uncomfortable spot for uh uh, for him to be in to, to answer those questions and uh, and uh, move forward, I, I I can't imagine it would really. I mean, Luke's been gone for what three years from the Warriors, so as close as the players are to him, you know, it's not like he's been around every day for the last three years. So it's uh, it's uncomfortable news and and uh, surprising news, but uh, I think the I think it's a separate issue.
0: Yeah, no, it, definitely. And the reality is, I, you all all Steve can really do is shoot him a call, shoot him a text and you know express support for him. It's not it's not the type of situation where he's going to benefit Luke by, you know, sitting around and worrying about it all day. He obviously Steve has a job to do and uh they they definitely are motivated to come out and get a game 5. Um this is a situation where the Warriors I think feel pretty confident they're going to win the series, but rest days matter in the playoffs Uh, especially since you know the Warriors kind of cut got a break a little bit yesterday when the Rockets fell in game four to the Jazz so the Jazz and Rockets will be playing game five on Wednesday obviously the Warriors play game five against the Clippers on Wednesday assuming both teams win game five they'll be on level playing field in terms of rest days. So uh, we're looking at potentially a game one of the next round on Sunday. So they'll have a few days between games to get ready. But, you know, if the Warriors lose, if the Warriors lose game five and the the game one is still on Sunday, the Warriors – could be coming off you know one day between games potentially maybe two uh that's not an easy situation to be in especially when you're facing a team that's probably your toughest opponent in the west
1: no and it, it could potentially be one and a half days really because if if uh if the warriors and rockets wrap up f- by friday um i believe the next round would begin sunday and probably sunday afternoon right because that's the prime time tv slot or the prime marquee tv slot uh 12 pacific um, and, and there's no way of knowing but history suggests that they want to play a weekend game for TV ratings so if it go even if as long as both series end by Friday they probably would start on Sunday so yeah there's a huge advantage enormous advantage to the Warriors winning game five and not going back to LA plus going back to LA put a lot of pressure on them you know then it's the leads down to three two, the Clippers have some momentum and you start thinking uh oh what if what if they could you know s- steal one at home um, so the thing we've learned, I think, from the playoffs is it's easy to think one game leads to the next, but it really doesn't. Um, you know, the Warriors had that historic collapse in game two and came out like the you know like the champs that they, you know that they've been in game three so um I don't think the the, the way things happen in l a really gives us much indication of what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I do think the Warriors know the stakes they they know the urgency of it um I would think. They would play with that sharpness and focus and and crispness that they did in L.A. But uh, but we'll find out tomorrow. But you're right. There's there's more at stake than you'd think for a team ahead three-one, no question.
0: And kind of building off that crispness, uh, the foul foul issues have been an have uh, been an ongoing problem for Steph Curry in this series. He hasn't had fewer than four in a game this entire series specifically he's been getting an early foul trouble which really messes up the Warriors substitution patterns um you saw specifically early in the series it seemed like Kerr was kind of struggling to figure out who to put out there and he even said uh, after that game two collapsed that he was not happy with his performance and he didn't like the groups he put out there but more importantly not it's not just the substitution patterns you just want Steph on the floor in a playoff game as much as humanly possible because as 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 we all know he just changes the game so much just just by being there he may not make be even be making his shots he may have a ton of turnovers but uh he just commands so much defensive attention um what do you think is going to be the key to him figuring out foul trouble what do you what do you think has been the specific problem in this series
1: well i think people you know it's easy to forget you know one of the reasons they they collapsed the way they did in game two was he was on the bench for most of the third quarter Uh, i believe picked up his fourth foul and you know as you said it changes the, the geometry of the game when they don't have to guard this guy who can shoot from 25 30 35 feet sometimes longer um and I think he's wasted some early fouls, you know, some, some silly, unnecessary reach and fouls. It's always been his uh, shortcoming on defense as he reaches. You know, it's, it's an easy thing. I mean, I, <laughs> I reached a lot when I played in high school, but I was slow. Stuff doesn't have that excuse. Um, and that's the thing. I think, you know, as you wrote the other day, and he wrote on his shoe, no reaching, um, he's quick enough. He's capable of not reaching and playing smarter defense, moving his feet not giving up those easy fouls it seems like a no big deal when he reaches and gets a foul four minutes into the game that's not a shooting foul and the Clippers just inbounded out of bounds but that's yeah it's a count it counts right it gets him closer to foul trouble where Kerr has to adjust his rotation so um I mean Steph spends so much energy on offense and he's obviously not a great defensive player although I think at times he's shown he can be a very good defensive player um but for him to focus on offense given everything he does offensively. But um, he doesn't have to play great defense. He just needs to be okay and stay out of foul trouble. And I would, think, I would think trying to be more conscious of that right off the bat and not giving up those one or two quick easy fouls in the first quarter that he always seems to get, that's the first step for them.
0: Yeah, and he, he did a better job of that in game four. Right. After picking up those three early fouls, he didn't get another one while the while the game was still in doubt, you know, while the while the win was still in doubt. Um so I think that's something to build off of going forward for sure. Um one one thing that was there were several interesting things from Clay in post game, after game 4, but one of them was that he went out of his way to say that he he went out of his way to say that the Rockets are their opponent and that, you know, they they want to get this done quickly to avoid the rest days what did you think about him kind of breaking the unwritten rule in basketball which is to look ahead to the next opponent well I think it's
1: kind of clay being clay right stuff kind of stuff clay being clay um certainly certainly not conscious certainly not calculated I'm sure it just sort of slipped out but it's natural given everything the Warriors have accomplished given how young the Clippers are it's natural for them to view that this way. Because it isn't about winning this series as much as it's about the entire journey and what gives them the best chance of winning another championship. Um, yeah, it's not. he shouldn't have said it, right? But I don't think it's a particularly big deal that he did. I mean, I don't think it's going to motivate the Clippers anymore. I've always not bought into that cliche. I mean, at this stage, everybody's motivated. Everybody wants to win. It's the playoffs. Um, the Warriors are better than the Clippers.
0: It's a lot better. <laughs> so they
1: they if they play to their capabilities, they're going to win. And they really have other than a quarter and a half, right? The second half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter in Game Two, when they weren't just mediocre, they were atrocious, mostly on defense. Um, and that's the only reason we're even you know we're even looking at a Game Five to cover tomorrow night. So I, I think it's sort of natural. I think it just Clay's it shows sort of Clay's low key vibe, right? And and there's a there's an authenticity there in what he was saying and thinking and basically you know not filtering his thoughts but i'm sure everybody in the warriors is thinking that that hey look houston's rolling through their half we better get done so we have a similar amount of rest and we're ready for that series because you know the rockets are going to be beyond uh engaged in trying to take down the warriors
0: yeah and i i love talking to clay for that reason because you you he doesn't feed you the cliches. Everything he says is real. And you can get a real pulse on where the team's mindset is by talking to him because other guys, it's human nature. Of course the Warriors are thinking about the Rockets. Right. Of course. I mean, you well, have well, to be.
1: Well, Clay, I think you gotta, it's got to get him in the right mood. I mean, he can be very bland and right. dull. But if you get him in the right mood, which he obviously was after scoring 30-whatever in Game 4 and, and rediscovering his shooting touch, then you get a certain uh, unfiltered, real... Glimpse into his mind and into the Warriors' thinking, and that's what happened after Game Four.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, so you got to love when you get a lead a game story with a guy jumping in the Pacific Ocean. So, I, they, yeah. hat tip to Clay uh, for for giving him that response. Well, I,
1: I think one one part of that story that I found kind of interesting was that he played beach volleyball and i can only imagine the the angst if he twists an ankle playing beach volleyball right i mean these guys i understand the the players you know they can't not live right you got to go do things and and jumping in the ocean makes perfect It's kind of a cool way to to refocus yourself but i i'm, I'm guessing the beach volleyball game was very casual and low yeah. low speed um i'm sure clay's uh i don't
0: know about that <laughs> clay clay's the type of guy who's he's incredibly competitive he might yeah. I tell people I think he's as competitive as Draymond Green, which is saying a lot. In a different way. In a different way. But he – I've talked to people who've played ping pong against him, and they're like, dude, I thought I was just playing ping pong, and he took it to another level. I'm
1: sure Steve Kerr wouldn't mind a vicious game of ping pong between (laughs) playoff games. A vicious game of beach volleyball might be a little different, but, yeah, I'm assuming Clay – Went went low speed at that, but the image of him jumping in the Pacific, right? Even if we don't have photos, the image and him talking about that is pretty cool, and and kind of, uh, you know, it kind of reminds people that these guys aren't robots, right? This isn't, this isn't. I mean, that, that's where I got uh, sort of amused during the course of the season when they lost, you know, those home games by twenty five thirty, and fans are acting like some fans are acting like it's the end of the world. Again, they're not robots. You know, they're human beings. They they have good games and occasionally they have bad games. And they much like all of us in our jobs, find ways to re-engage, find ways to get remotivated. And Clays was jumping in the ocean, so good for him.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um and one one I don't want to say surprising, but impressive development in this series has been Andrew bogut Obviously we've all talked at length about the DeMarcus Cousins injury the how that's changed the center rotation obviously putting the onus on Kevon Looney and Andrew Bogut to play a lot of meaningful minutes not just in this series but going forward throughout the playoffs and uh, Bogut has just been super solid um, and I was looking at his numbers today he's up in every major statistical category from his last playoffs in 2016 with the Warriors and I think he is Not just better than he was when he was last traded, when he was last with the Warriors, but I think he's significantly better. He he just looks lighter. He's fresher mentally, uh, physically. Um, He's doing every little thing you need him to do: setting good screens, making great passes, orchestrating. Not just the defense, but he's been a fulcrum of that offense at times too. Um, What have you thought about what he's provided this group on short notice?
1: I just love watching the way he plays. Um, you see the way, sort of the subtle way he moves his body to, to sort of reset a screen if, if the defender is is hedging one way or the other. Um, he's a really good passer, which is a hard skill to find in a seven-footer. You know, it, it's, he's got good hands, very soft passes, um, good vision. He sees the court well. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think I always liked the way he played, but it seems like it's accentuated now compared to before. And you're right, he also seems to have a freshness in his legs. Which no doubt is due to the, the limited schedule he played in Australia, right? I think 30 games and once a week, if I'm remember correctly. Um, and at you know at 34, that's important. Um, although if you look at history, right, and this goes back to that story I did last year on Steph turning 30. Centers last longer than guards, right? They're not running as much, so it makes especially seven foot centers. Exactly. You're not not
0: the Draymond Greens of the world.
1: Right. Of course, the traditional centers. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look throughout history. You know, who are the players who played into their 40s? It's Kareem and these big, lumbering seven-footers who are very good players but don't have the same toll on their body as a 6'2 guard, as Kevin Johnson, who, fa- you know, who had leg injuries. And not to say Steph's going to have leg injuries, but Steph's not going to play as long as most centers. That's just if you look at history and the body type and the style of game. So I think that factors into what's happening with Bogut and probably factor into the Warriors' thinking is, hey, he's still got enough left. I mean, that was all – I remember being with you here the day they signed him and writing a quick column saying, yeah, this makes a lot of sense, but does he have enough left in the tank? Because we all remember him kind of looking a little tired and old Mm -hmm. when he left here, right? Um, But he had a bunch of injuries, and now he seems to have recovered, and um, he's fresh enough to play the minutes they need. It It doesn't need to be 35, right? It's 20. 18, you know, um, enough to give them that presence in there against big centers. Um, it'll be interesting if they do advance how that works in the, in the Rocket series with Capella, who's a different kind of center, right? Mm-hmm. And I would think Looney would be probably more valuable with the, the screen and rolls and stuff. But Bogut's, uh, Bogut's very good and he gives, something war- gives the Warriors something they don't have without him, and certainly not without Cousins, you know, that, that contrast at center.
0: And you can speak to this better than I can just as a father, but the big difference, the probably the biggest difference in Andrew Bogut's life since he was last with the Warriors is he now has two kids. He has two young sons. And talking to people around the team, when he left the Warriors, he was very cynical. I think he was very jaded. I think he was over the NBA. He was tired of the line. He was tired of the fakeness. And uh, I think having two kids stepping away from, the league for a while has helped him find perspective and he doesn't seem to be getting as annoyed by things as he used to um he's kind of staying above the fray and he's been very a very positive kind of calming influence on the locker room which i think has been a welcome change i mean he was everyone liked him his last go around he was a very likeable dude he was he was funny he had that sarcasm that wit but I do think when you're around someone every single day who's negative and pessimistic it kind of wear on the locker room, and I think he's a lot more positive now, which I think is big.
1: Well, there's no way having a kid doesn't change you. I can speak for that. Um, uh, and, you know, I don't know firsthand how it's affected him, but he does seem more upbeat than he did previously. I would agree with that. Um, he's always been kind of had that edge to him, right, that like you said sort of sarcastic humor he's a very smart guy um so yeah i mean if that's if that's sort of the root of his uh attitude uh being more positive then you know good for him i mean it's it's natural right i mean I, uh, my son's 19 now but i mean i remember the first couple of years i don't remember if i was more positive i was more tired um i mean he's in a different situation obviously with with uh his career demands and um, the travel that he 's probably not around the kids every single day, but you know, yeah i mean it 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 definitely gives you a, a, a another dimension to your life right I, mean, I think we all probably uh are more productive when we have a second dimension in our life it 's not just a a one track world um, but uh, anyway it's 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 certainly uh, he certainly seems very engaged you watch him on the bench when he 's not playing. He's very, uh, very involved and very much part of this the team effort.
0: And the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about was just kind of the overall vibe and mood of these playoffs. Um, it, It feels it's kind of a weird dynamic for these playoffs because the big kind of cloud hanging over these playoffs is the offseason is this summer coming up because this i've said many times this is probably going to be the biggest summer in franchise history they have nine of 15 players who are going to hit free agency some are pretty big names clay thompson kevin durant um draymond green who is not going to be a free agent this summer his status could be in flux this summer because of potential stalls in his contract negotiations with the Warriors, which I wrote about a few days ago, I think it's very possible that he ends up being on the trading block this summer, uh, given what it looks like, you know, where it looks like both teams are at in terms of those contract negotiations. So there's just a lot of questions looming over this franchise. And how do you feel, because the weird thing about it is, regardless of whether or not the Warriors win a title, it's not going to change what happens this summer. Kevin Durant's probably gone, regardless of whether or not they win a title. You know, all all these questions still need to be answered, regardless of whether or not they win a title. So this whole run feels kind of like this is kind of the last hurrah, and we kind of need to get through these next couple months with each other, and then we can move on and do whatever we're going to do, but we just need to win one more and then move on. What do you think of that dynamic?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, uh, uh, as you know, I did worked on a story on the, the impact of the contract year, which should be out soon uh, in the Chronicle. And Ron Adams, assistant coach, had an interesting quote to me about how, you know, anytime a big name free agent, Durant, Kyrie Irving, whomever, is approaching that summer, it's going to be these constant questions about the future. Whereas Adams' point was to be a level, to be an athlete at this level, you have to live in the present. It's got to be the next practice, the next game, because you can't succeed at this level without thinking that way. So he said there's really kind of a disconnect between the way the media has to operate. And our job is to look ahead more than ever. And the athletes have to operate more, you know, now in the in the moment. So that's always going to be a conflict. And and as I wrote about, it's getting more and more of a conflict. Um, But you're right. It's an unusual summer, given the, the the volume of players headed that way. But I think it's easy. To separate, you know, it's like you said, it's gonna, it's gonna happen either way, and, and the Warriors have a chance, a unique chance in history here to win three in a row, which hasn't happened since '02, I believe, uh, an even more historic chance to go to f- the finals five years in a row, which hasn't happened since the '60s, it only happened once, in mm-hmm. the Celtics when they went nine or ten times in a row, so I think Steve Kerr's job and his, and he was very good at this sort of messaging is hey, we have a chance that very few teams ever have throughout the history of the game. Let's keep, stay focused on that, and we'll deal with July 1 when it gets here. Um, and that's really, you know, been the case all along. It's really what Kevin Durant should have said to the free agent questions yeah. is, you know, hey, I'm trying to win a championship. I'll deal with that July 1. Because there's nothing you can do between it before now and then. You know, maybe he's decided. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's had covert conversations. Maybe, yeah, you know, probably has. Yeah. But... That's sort of not in the public domain at this point, and nor should it be. Um, I mean, the playoffs can be very compelling. You're right. There's a, a strange undercurrent, I think. But I found it more interesting than ever this year, in part watching the East. Because, you know, the East was sort of a foregone conclusion yeah. in the last few years as well with LeBron and the Cavs. And now that that's out of the mix, you know, Giannis is sort of in full bloom. I mean, some of his games are enormously entertaining. Yeah. Um, to see how the Sixers deal with their, you know, very talented starting five um you know toronto and its history of playoff struggles uh boston which seems to be putting it together finally and there's a lot of very interesting storylines in the east and i think the east semifinals, the conference semifinals in both the east and west could be tremendous i mean because the east matchups are going to be really compelling and if the warriors play the rockets which seems likely that's going to be compelling um so it's it's If you can separate the summer from the spring, it's going to be a very, very entertaining and fascinating uh, march here to the finals.
0: But as we talked about earlier, it's just as much as as a professional athlete as you want to stay in the present and you want to focus on the day-to-day, you are a human being, and it is impossible not to look forward and look ahead. And that's why, as we discussed earlier, it was a little refreshing to hear Clay straight up say the – who Rockets are our opponent, and the reality is every player has a keen awareness on a daily basis that things are going to be a lot different. Uh, and I think that can be a good thing because you're you're kind of like this is we need to cherish this, but it, it, it feels more like you know what we kind of just need to get through this, right? And then win, do our jobs, win a title, and then we can not talk to each other anymore <laughs> right. you know that's and that's more the vibe i felt rather than hey buddy like right, let's right. just uh, win a title you know
1: right, right. well and you're around the, the warriors every day so that uh, that's not surprising and it's interesting um the thing with about clay's sort of slip up is right that's all connected i mean how how the warriors complete this series affects how they do in the next series and as you noted i'm not so sure what happens in the next six weeks two months affects what happens in the summer I think some of that is probably already, at least mentally, I mean, I would think Durant, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's human nature, Durant's probably thought, okay, what, you know, if he hasn't nailed it down, it's pretty clear in his mind, or in the back of his mind, he has an idea of what's going to happen, and and this isn't going to change it.
0: There might be a a little better chance of him coming back if they lose, a little bit better, Yeah, just because he might not like the optics, but...
1: I, I don't think yeah maybe but I just
0: I, but it would be marginal
1: yeah, yeah. and I, I think really at, at, the, at the root of it, it it's not going to affect it that much I think I think there's there's larger issues in play so
0: right well Ron, I appreciate you joining me It's always great t- chatting with you uh, we will have tons of uh, tons of great content throughout this series and throughout the playoffs and Ron will be joining me every step of the way so uh, thanks as always Thanks for having me Connor. I want to thank Ron Krojcik for joining me on this week's podcast. It's always good chatting Warriors with someone who has followed the team as long as he has. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.